Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Morning. Welcome to Everything Cooperative. This is Vernon Oaks. We're glad you're tuning in for us this morning. Uh, this show is brought to you by the National Cooperative Bank, whose main purpose is to tell people about the benefits of, of co-ops. And today we have on the show with us Mr. Tom Bradley. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Vernon. Actually, the la- last name is Brayford. Brayford, okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Okay, sure. You're the co-founder of Irresistible Community Builders and creator of Integral Eco-Village Solutions. So what's an eco-village? Okay. Well, an eco-village is a way to live in cooperation with your neighbors and in harmony with nature. And um, we've tweaked that model by combining it with the co-housing neighborhoods and intensive urban agriculture, and a full complement of renewable energy systems and uh, worker-owned union co-ops. That's a mouthful. It sounds like a <laughs> complex and complicated. Uh, why you do this? Well, um, I w- you could say it's complex and complicated, but we, we really like to think of it as comprehensive and uh, that's why we use the term integral, because we're taking things that we already know work, you know, that have been proven for a long time. The Mondragon approach to cooperative business has been around successfully for 60 years now with their large conglomerate of co-ops in the Basque region of Spain uh, that accounts for 10% of the economy. The co-housing and eco-village movements have been around for 30 or 40 years now, and it proved effective. And so we're just combining things that we already know know that work, that maybe haven't all been put together in one one place before. And then we're, we're seeing in the process that that uh, creates a lot of synergies, a lot of efficiencies. And our goal is to create a market-based, scalable solution to global warming and lots of other seemingly endemic challenges. And the way we plan to accomplish that is by creating a lifestyle opportunity where we can take double-digit carbon footprint Westerners to sub-zero in lots of 150 to 200 and some people overnight. Again, you you say a mouthful. So let me try to break this down for me to understand and also the listeners out there. Yeah. When you mentioned global warming, these eco-villages will help this major problem that, what was it, 160 presidents and leaders around the world met in Paris this week to talk about. Right, exactly. Timely, isn't it? Yeah, okay. So (laughs) we're talking about eco-villages, and you said that's neighbors working together 
comprehensively, cooperatively working together and working within nature. Okay, and so now that's going to stop this global warming. I got it. Well, yes, yes, that that can be a made that has to be a major contributing factor. You know, we need to, of course, do everything we can from the top down, and that's why this Paris um, COP21 is is so important because leadership does matter. You know. Yes. But we can play our part at the grassroots level too. Uh, we don't need to wait for the technology. The technology has been there for a long time that makes it possible to live a, a, a sub, sub-zero carbon lifestyle right now. We can actually start through the way we build our houses and um, produce goods and services and transportation and everything. We, we can actually do that in a way that stops contributing to the problem of adding more CO2 to the atmosphere and actually starts removing it, permanently sequestering carbon by recycling our waste and uh, doing it in a, a way that um, short, short cycles the, the carbon through getting it right back in, into production of food and also uh, permanently sequesters by adding biochar to the soil. Okay. Tom, from most people that I talk to, you have a lot going on. Uh, when I say it's complicated and you say it's comprehensive, uh, yeah. complex, you say comprehensive. I say complicated in that you have a lot going on, but I guess when you study what is going on in America right now, what is going on around the world, not just America, Sure. in, in terms of transportation, waste removal, how we live and building our houses and so forth, Okay, it is a lot in our system, and so you're breaking it down. How did this get started? I did a little research, and it seems to have started all around this energy piece. This was a Professor George Ramsey in a 1978 address called Passive Energy Applications for the Built Environment. And I was surprised to see that, and you went there very quickly, that these eco-villages are a way of us living more harmoniously with nature and not using so much carbons. Right. And um, the prototype project that we're doing is right in the city of St. Louis. So this is an urban eco-village. And I think this is an important point to make um, because, you know, over half of the population of the world now lives in, in, in cities, in urban areas. By 2050, uh, the projection is 70%. And you talked about the built environment, something like two-thirds of the buildings that we're going to – we're going to add a couple billion more people to the planet by 2050, and we're by then we'll have uh, 70% of, of people living in the urban areas. So if we're going to address this problem, we have, have to address how we live in the urban area. And 40% of carbon CO2 – comes from from the built environment, either the embedded energy and the materials that, that we're using to build new new buildings and also the energy that we use to heat and cool and, and ventilate and everything. The other big piece is uh, transportation and agriculture. And so 
So we're looking at ways to work on all of that. We're looking at creating, uh, right now we're just working on the, the prototype project, but our plans are to create a whole network of integral eco-villages in the St. Louis region and connect them together with a rapid public transit and freight system that can get us out of our, our cars, and this system would actually produce more energy. It would be covered. It's an elevated tube that would be covered with um, solar collectors, the integral eco-village communities, distributed fairly evenly throughout the St. Louis region would serve double as uh, transit stations. And so this system would produce more energy than it, than it actually consumes. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Well, okay. We really have to do. We have to start moving things in the other direction right now. You know, we it's it's great to have, get the agreements in place in, in Paris there from the top down, but we need to be working from the bottom up as well. So, Tom... St. Louis. So when when I'm hearing you say an eco village, I'm really hearing you say uh, more like a subdivision. Uh, is this in the suburbs of the city or right inside the city? No, no. This this is right in the, in the core city. So this is um, you know we're a couple miles from downtown in the central West End neighborhood. So you're taking a block, uh, a building. Um, we're about half of a city block, so it's quite dense. But the co-housing movement has demonstrated that it's it's possible to live quite quite densely. And Chuck Durrett and Kitty McCammett, um, the husband and wife architect team that um, discovered this movement in in Denmark in the late '80s and brought it to the U.S. and they're now. Um, something like 135 communities and another 20 or so under construction. So it's really caught on in this country and throughout the Western world. So um, let, let, before you go any further, though, let yeah. me, let, let's take this community. It's a half a block. Uh, how many, how many is, are they apartments or are they like you have five different buildings or units or around a central kitchen when you say co-housing? I visited one in Seattle. There were maybe 15 sure. people, and they had two kitchens. And um, So what, what does this look like? So I, I, I want to get a feel for it, and I want to get a, my oh, sure, listeners a sure. feel. Sure. Um, so so the, the, uh, um, what we're now calling the Arismendi uh, Integral Eco Village is going to consist of four contiguous co-housing neighborhoods. So a typical co-housing neighborhood is um, uh, 15 to 35 um, households. So the, one, so the one that you visited in Seattle would, would be um, on the, the low end of the, the scale in terms, terms of size. Um, Tom, I'm going to have to stop you because we have to take our first break. And uh, what I want to do for everybody out there, and Tom, is I want to try to break this down because I still see it as complex and complicated because that's what I see our system it, it are. And you are making it comprehensive, starting with housing and then going for the transportation and recycling and technology. So we have a lot to cover in the next 45 minutes, but we have to take our first break, and we'll be right back to con continue this conversation. That's exciting to me, Tom, so we'll see if we can break it down and get everybody to understand this eco-village and how it works and operates. Okay, terrific. 
We'll be right back. Please don't touch that down. 1450 WOL. Formation is power. That's WOL's motto, and that's one of the reasons they're a great, great uh, partner for us because the National Cooperative Bank is sponsoring this program to give you the information so that you can have the power, the power to control your own destiny, the power to reduce the carbon footprint on in, in America or in the world, the power to just have a better quality of life. And so this morning, Tom is talking to us about eco-villages, and he said to us that, you know, by 2050, that's only uh, 35 years from now, uh, that the population of the world is going to go up by 2 billion people. It's about 7.3 billion people now, going up 2 more billion. That's a 28% increase in 35 years. And there, now we have 50% of the people... 50% of us, 7.3 billion people, are living in urban lifestyles, and that will go up to 70%, which is a 40% increase. So that you're going to have 28% of the population increase, but more people that are living in rural areas are also going to move to urban areas. And we have to, I don't know who out there does not believe in this climate change, that the world is getting hotter and hotter, and if we're not very careful the world as we know it will not exist the way it is. We'll have more deserts, more storms, more heat, and that it won't be able to take care of the 7 billion people we have today. So we've got to do something. And now what Tom is telling us, which I'm excited about, is how every person in the world can help this, and this is by how we live, how we choose to live. So, Tom, you've got an eco-village that's starting in St. Louis. You're going from uh, four co-housing neighborhoods in a half a city block. And you said that there's anywhere from 15 to 35 households in each of these co-housing neighborhoods. So you can talk about four times 15, what's that, 60 households to 140 yeah, yeah. households. Okay, so let's go back and talk about how, how these, what does this co-housing look like? How, how do you build, what does the building look like um, if I wanted to join one, what would I, as a single older person, what would what would what would I have to do, and what would I end up living in? I live in a one bedroom apartment, six hundred eighty square feet. I really believe in simplistic living. So it's, and I also believe that we spend way too much in America. Each each household, we just buy, 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 consume, consume, consume. So we have to stop that. I've I've come to that myself. So how do what would this look like if I wanted to join a co-housing group? What would I end up buying? Oh, okay, Vernon. Well, it sounds like you're a perfect candidate for co-housing. You're already half the way there because you've already downsized. So typical co-housing communities, everyone either owns or rents their their own individual living space, which is complete with a a kitchen, bathrooms, everything you'd expect in a single-family home, Um, but it's scaled down so that you can also have a common house that you share with your your neighbors. And uh, this is more than, and typically it's condominium ownership in the U.S. Some some communities are set up as cooperatives and and or planned unit developments, but instead of just a condominium clubhouse, uh, the common house is used more extensively. And is is the more 
comprehensive approach than just a condominium clubhouse. So meals together with your neighbors on a regular basis is is a popular feature. There's usually a central shared laundry facility so that everybody doesn't have to have their own washer and dryer. You know, you can you talked to, talked about uh, cutting down on on the uh, consumerism, which is definitely a piece of what we need to do if we're going to uh, create a sustainable uh, planet here. So this movement started, I mentioned, started in Denmark um, in the late 60s. And the Danes are really great about uh, studying everything to see how it works. And that includes uh, new building materials, but also uh, social programs. So before the movement ever came to the U.S., they had figured out what works in terms of scale for community, design for community. So the houses all face each other across pedestrian walkways. The common house is centrally located. The, the parking is at the periphery or in an urban setting like ours. It's uh, under the the common house. So we have under, underground parking off that you enter off the alley. So the automobile doesn't get in the way. And there's both a emphasis on preserving privacy. So so you have your own individual living space, but then uh, everything beyond that outside your unit is uh, a setup for easy social interaction. So you're going to bump into your neighbors on the way to the common house or on the way to the parking or uh, when you're doing your laundry. And there's a lot uh, that happens when when people just get together again. You know, I mean, this is the way neighborhoods used to be. Uh, yep, yep. That, that doesn't happen so much anymore. We have to cause it. You know, we have to create it. So it is a village. Yeah. And the eco part of it, uh, economically sound, environmentally sound, socially sound. I mean, so it brings everything together so people really do have a way of interacting. Right. Okay. In the common house. I was surprised at everybody because it, the co-housing I visited in Seattle, they did not have their own kitchen. Yeah, that, they, that, may have been, that may have been more the traditional, intentional community or collective house model. It doesn't sound like it, like it was. Uh, co-housing tends to be a little bit larger scale than what, what you're speaking of. Mm-hmm. And I, I was trying to figure out if I would like that because you shared kitchens, had your own bathroom, but you shared kitchens, had basically a a bedroom, living room, bathroom, and a shared kitchen, shared laundry, similar to what you're saying here. Now, we are including that in our co-housing eco-village model. We're going to be including in the first two co-housing neighborhoods some cooperatively owned houses five- and six-bedroom. The very first one we're doing is going to be fully accessible, adjacent to the common house and connected with an elevator so so that uh, people that are alternatively abled, uh, you know, have an opportunity to participate in this lifestyle as well. So when you say five- or six-bedrooms, is that one family in a five- or six-bedrooms or different individuals? Yeah, yeah. So we're we're combining what what you're describing as as an additional option. So there would be a 
cooperatively owned house where people have their own individual bedroom and, and share two or three bathrooms and then have their own common area, but they would also have access to the larger common house that they would share and have, have meals together with with their traditional single-family lifestyle neighbors uh, that, that live in the surrounding uh, one, two, and three-bedroom condos and studios. So we're, we're trying, trying to make this as uh, accommodate as many different lifestyle choices as, as possible here and levels of income. Well, I would imagine this would be excellent for seniors because as a senior now, uh, at least that's what they call me. I don't call me that yet, <laughs> but as a senior. Well, I'm, I'm 69 today, so I guess I'm, I'm, oh. I'm a senior now. Happy birthday. I'm, I was 68 Thank last you. month. Thank you. I was 68 last month. Um, oh, terrific. So we're contemporary. Yeah. We're early baby boomers. And um, with the, the increase that we just talked about of, of people um, – Mm-hmm. The increase of seniors is is going to skyrocket. I mean, I I don't have the figures sure. right in front of me, but yeah. you, you're going to have people over 65. I don't know, maybe it was doubling oh, yeah. by that time, but by the 2050 because of the life expectancy and uh, the the number of baby boomers and uh, that are, that have been out there. So you're going to have more and more people that are like me, empty nesters. Everybody is gone. Yeah. And unfortunately my wife passed away in 08. So I'm by myself. And it's sort of say, what kind of interaction do you have? How do you get this interaction in a meaningful kind of way? We have to get ready for our second break. Oh, when it, already. <laughs> already. Wow. Yeah. It, it goes by real let's, quick time when you having. Let's talk about senior co-housing when, when you, when we get, get back, because that's the fastest growing piece of the, the movement. And, and we're including three uh, multi-generational and one senior co-housing in our prototype here. Oh, we'll talk about the senior co-housing when we get back. We'll be right back after the weather and the traffic and a little bit of news. And we're going to come back and talk more about eco-villages and senior co-housing. 1450 WOL. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks with Everything Cooperative. Uh, this morning, we're talking about eco-villages throughout the world, particularly in St. Louis. You know, the National Cooperative Bank sponsors this program, and its mission is to help cooperatives grow by supporting and being an advocate for America's cooperatives and their communities, placing special emphasis on serving the needs of communities that are economically challenged. And these economically challenging communities and for uh, NCB to meet their mission uh, is a challenge for them uh, because most banks will only want to put money in those communities where people already have assets because they are bankers is what I learned in the MBA program are looking for only three things. They want, they're wanting to get their money back. They're wanting to get their money back and they're wanting to get their money back. So the, what one way of doing that is uh, making loans to people that have assets so that their loan isn't paid back, then they can go grab these assets and get their money back. So NCB has a, has a challenge to make loans to people that don't have assets. And a lot of that with these co-ops is through training. That's the fifth principle of cooperatives is training so that people can train, get the training they need so they can have a successful business or have a successful housing, um, have a successful food co-op, 
or perhaps in, in the example we're talking about today, co-housing or eco-villages, they get the training they need and they work with other people that have already done it uh, so that they will know how to solve the problems perhaps before they even happen. So, Tom, thanks for being with us today and talking about eco-villages. We, you have said that you want to talk about senior uh, co-op or co-housing. Uh, tell us about what, what that looks like for you. Okay. Well, let's, let's, let's just uh, cover that quickly and then get right into this um, co-op and, and um, worker-owned co-op especially. I think that's, that's what's going to really excite the bankers. Um, so senior co-housing, um, uh, the, the movement initially was primarily multi-generational. And, of course, a lot of those multi-generational co-housing communities have, have aged and have a higher percentage of seniors. But also, um, there's not an, the, enough um, multi-generational co-housing projects um, forming fast enough to accommodate all the seniors. So the latest movement out of Denmark is for senior co-housing, three out of four new co-housing communities in Denmark and 10% of the, the uh, Danish, new Danish housing now is co-housing, is for seniors. And um, uh, so we're going to have, provide both options. So we'll have a senior co-housing community and we're going to have three multi-generational co-housing communities. So there's uh, two options for seniors, you know. And um, Chuck Durrett went back that started with Catherine McCormick that started the movement in the U.S., brought it here from Denmark, went back and studied the senior movement. And he says he hasn't run across any group of people anywhere that are having more fun than people that are living in senior co-housing. They okay. just get up in the morning and around coffee, decide what they're going to do for the day, and he says they're just having so much fun, you know. So, um, well, you know, I, so we we I'm, Tom, my mother didn't give me a middle name, but I've got one that's Vernon Fun Oaks. So fun, I like. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> so seniors in co-housing have the most fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what that's what Chuck says, and he's kind of the authority, you know. The um, he and his wife, uh, Catherine McCammett, um, um, have, have been involved in 30 or more of probably 40 by now, uh, of the co-housing communities that are up and running in the U S and, and they, they worked with us on getting, getting our project going in St. Louis. Um, can we jump, can we jump into this? Um, I, I just have. I wanted. I really want to get to one question. Is there a list of yeah. these senior co-housing or a list of co-housings that that could be? If somebody out there said, "Look, this is not a way I would like to live," that they could find out oh, where. Yeah. yeah. If if you just Google um, um, co-housing uh, U.S., uh, there's there's a national association. My wife Carol was. Um, on the board for six years and president for a year and a half, and and uh, they they do a listserv. They uh, that's the place to go to find out about co-housing. Okay, so we want to go into worker co-ops, which uh, we've had a couple people on in the last two programs talking about that, particularly the Mondragon uh, example. Right. right. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. 
Let's talk. Yeah, so so you've probably talked about the worker-owned union co-op movement that um, that Mondragon and the National Co-op Bank and some other banks and foundations and stuff have been involved in. So our our project um, is going to be the 15th um, worker-owned union co-op initiative in St. St. Louis. So we're creating a a network of cooperatively owned businesses to build out the prototype um, integral eco-village project and then to go on and and build out the the whole network in in the region. Um, And you talked about uh, the banks being most concerned with, how do I get paid back? How do I get paid back? How do I get paid back? Um, The best way that I know of to... To have affordable housing for for workers is is to pay them a living wage and and uh, guarantee them employment for a lifetime by having them be part of a network of cooperatively owned businesses, and then they can afford to live in the housing they're building. Yep. And uh, so that's 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 kind of our approach in a nutshell. Um, so, so we're creating a co-op. We're to we're building with this um, system we call Ribs, uh, which um, is rap, rapid um, building system and a panelized system. And so we're we're creating a manufacturing co-op to manufacture that product, and and we'll have another co-op of folks that build with that and then we're going to have we've got our, our rims which is is our, our renewable energy systems installation management co-op uh, that that takes care of, of both both the renewable energy the water capture the waste treatment and um, and and then ripe our uh, um, Intensive urban agriculture co-op, uh, and all those are all those are tied together. We'll have other co-ops that operate permanently from the site. We're going to have a restaurant, a microbrewery, a, 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 um, a, a, a arts and crafts mall that's a, a, a daytime use for for two of our underground parking structures. Um, and all of our common houses are going to have daytime uses, um, uh, preschool, uh, K through three charter school, um, and business incubator, and, and a whole whole variety of things. You know, I I still say it's complex and complicated, and you say it's comprehensive. I like your word comprehensive. The complex and complicated is that you're looking at every aspect of life and saying, how can we create a village where the living is culturally and socially beneficial, where people have fun and it is, I assume, safe? Now you're creating businesses just based on the needs of the people in the eco-village and the surrounding people to build these eco-villages, to create the systems inside of them to create businesses, worker cooperatives that will manage all of these systems inside of it, 
And then you go to restaurants and microbrewery and arts and crafts. And then for the, you got to deal with the kids. So you get different schools, daycare, after school care, pre K through 12. Might as well put a, a community college in there somewhere that talks about building co ops and managing them. <laughs> okay. Ah, it, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Well, we have, we've worked closely with the universities and we have talked to St. Louis University, the new president of St. Louis University, about they have a facility that's just between, we're right between um, their Manresa Center, which is a retreat center, and their main campus. And so we've, we've talked about creating that as, as a training center for Integral Eco Village living so people could come for for a week and experience what it would be like so i think that's that's definitely part of part of what needs needs to happen because it's kind of back to the future because we're going back to how neighborhoods used to function you know neighbors looking out for each other money circulating within the immediate neighbor neighborhood so so you get more bang for the buck and uh, so one of the things that we're noticing already would just as as we add these things things together and make things intro, integral and comprehensive rather than segmented and siloed mm-hmm. the, way, the way we've gotten to, that all of these uh, synergies show up. So uh, this whole idea of use, having a, a – compatible daytime use for the common house. And then, you know, when when the residential owners want to use that in the, the evening, one of the critical things with shared use is, as well as is the last use going to leave, leave it in condition for the, that the next use needs. So we're going to have a green cleaning service that comes in between all those shared uses uh, this creates more more jobs, but it also also alleviates potential for for upset. You know, mm-hmm. big and, time um, upset. Yeah, <laughs> the last people left it dirty. They didn't put the chairs back right. Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah I know. But yeah. but then that that um, sequential and what we're calling sequential and simultaneous shared use. So that's one of one of the inventions that comes out of this innovation of putting together things that we already know work is. Is that now you've cut your capital cost for for co-housing common house and a daytime use of like a, a preschool in half, and um, so you have much more efficient use of resources and, and things become more and more affordable. Uh, if you're producing your energy on site from the sunlight that just falls on the on the roof and the ambient heat of the earth under the site, you know, with a ground source heat pump system and reutilizing your, your waste and the water that falls on the site, capturing that and using it and reusing it. We get a lot of, a lot of uh, precipitation in St. Louis, 39 inches a year. So, so we're creating, um, uh, businesses that are water intensive, like uh, aquaculture, in combination with uh, green roofs and uh, green walls that um, are actually, actually produce food, and um, hanging gardens under uh, uh, architectural PV canopy that uh, that lets enough light through.
grow food, but also also captures 750 kilowatts of electricity. You know, so. so the information you're giving us is fantastic and fascinating, and it's just got my mind going between all of the different kinds of things that you're doing, growing food in the houses and so forth. And we only have one segment to go. We have to take our last break, and then we're going to come back. And one of the things I want to talk about, Tom, is how people can get involved with this or if you're looking for monies uh, to help build it or anything like that. We haven't talked about that, but I'd like to know what, what you need, what your needs are and see if we can let people know about it and also get people involved so that if they're wanting this lifestyle, they can do it. But we'll take our break and then we'll be right back. Don't touch the dial, please. All right. Terrific. Thanks. 1450 WOL. Nation is power. But I got to tell you, uh, uh, one of our first uh, persons on the show, uh, Papa Sin from Senegal, said that it's not the information that gives you the power. It is taking that information and putting action to it, putting energy to it, and that's where you get your power. For me, I, I think of dynamite, uh, sticks of dynamite. It's got a lot of power in there, but if you don't strike a match and li- li- light it, you get no power. Matter of fact, it'll just decay and go away. And there can be good uses, construction for dynamite, but it's any energy, any any knowledge that you might have, you can get power if you go to put some energy to it. So we're talking about some powerful stuff this morning. Tom Brayford from St. Louis is talking to us about co-villages. And Tom, what I've got, when I've looked at your videos and stuff, I I couldn't get a sense of what you were doing. So I just want to give you this feedback because in a, in a minute or two, you would tell a whole lot. It'd be a compact information and I could never get a sense of what it really is that you're doing. So uh, what I knew coming into this program is I would try to break it down so I could be clear on what you're doing and the the persons out there listening could be clear. And what I've gotten in one uh, sentence is you've looked at every aspect of living collectively and breaking it down to where we can live better together and it takes a lot less energy. Matter of fact, the, the things that you've learned you can put energy back in the system so that you don't use it, but you contribute so that not only does the carbon footprint is less, you're helping with solar power and getting energy from the earth that you're providing energy to other people, not only taking care of the energy that you need. And if you can get the cars out of the mix and get this tube that you're talking about, the downtown or inner city, it's even less and less energy that you're using. Is that pretty much what you're doing? Yes. So, so my my promise for the world is that by 2020, human being is secure as a perpetual species on our way to being ubiquitous in the far-flung universe. You you talked about these bumps in the road that we've got with global warming and peak everything and and uh, social fragmentation. Um, you know, we got to get to work on all that stuff right now, and and it, it's. It's a it's a huge opportunity. Actually, actually, you know, within within the, just a couple decades here, we could usher in an age of plenty like the planet has never known. We just need to get our act together. And so, you can Google uh, Integral Eco Village Solutions. Our website is down right now, but we're in the process of getting it back up, and you'll be able to uh, reach it at at that that same same thing if you go to integral eco village solution that's that's what we're gonna 
recreate our website as. So, I did go online and I looked up. I just put in uh, co-housing US and it said co-housing USA, and then it gave me a, a, a option to go co-housing finding, and it took me to co-housing, um, co-housing.org uh, backslash yeah, that, finding. That's the one to really use co-housing.org to find out about uh, co-housing. This this is this is kind of the the next level of that. This, the co-housing and eco-village movements both started in Denmark, like I said, 35, 40 years ago, and have been moving along on parallel paths, and they're, they're starting starting to merge. So you're starting to see more and more co-housing communities that are a little larger and identifying as eco-villages and, and eco-villages that are starting to uh, use co-housing as a building block where they combine uh, two or three or four uh, co-housing neighborhoods like like we're doing. But we're, we're taking it a little bit further, I think, by the, the big, really additional piece that I think is really critical is uh, creating these worker-owned co-ops. And um, so we're, people can contact us. Uh, they can. Is is it all right to yes. just give my phone number Absolutely. and email? Yes. Um, so so you can contact me, Tom Brayford, at three one four four seven nine six seven five zero, or just email me at Brayford B R A F O R D T at gmail dot com, and. Um, you're all welcome to move to St. Louis and join our Integral Eco Village prototype. Uh, we're looking for some pioneers to do that. Uh, we're looking for people that would love to be part of a cooperatively owned business. Uh, this this is a real opportunity. And you know, if if you're really happy in the community that you live in, uh, we're starting this in in St. Louis because that's where we're at. But our idea is to cause an epidemic of uh, sustainability here in St. Louis with this network of integral eco-villages and just have this movement go pandemic in the world. So, Tom, um, Tom so we have a Pat on the line. Pat, do you have a comment or question? Yes. Thank, thank you for the show, uh, Mr. Oaks, and thank you for what you're doing with your integral eco-village. Uh, Tom, I have one question. The question is, Wherever we are in the country, what can an individual do, maybe a church, maybe a cooperative, what can we do to move one step closer to creating a more sustainable eco-village type community? Well, I would, I would say any kind of cooperative action that you can take, if you, if you can move a step beyond thinking about what you need to do individually or as a nuclear family, if you can join together with your neighbors or in your church community, anything that you can do to start uh, bringing us together. I I, I guess, Tom, my, my, my question is to give people an example. If you can give us one quick example, you know, I want people to understand because I'm actually on that journey, and I want one example of something I can do. Is there one specific example 
Well, of course, there are thousands of examples of things that we can do individually. You know, we can we can change our light bulbs, you know, uh, to more more efficient light bulbs. We can put solar collectors on our house. We can we can get a hybrid vehicle. Uh, we can use public transit. Uh, but but the thing to really make the kind of change that that's required to to create a sustainable planet for our children and grandchildren, it re- requires that we get beyond those individual actions and that we start to work together as as uh, communities, extended families, extended communities. Oh. And um so that's that's why that's why I picked that that particular action as what I see as the most critical one. Thank you, Pat. And what what I was thinking about, and I was going to ask you, Tom, is I live in a 57 unit uh, housing cooperative uh, that was an apartment sure. building here in the in, oh, this, in the district. And I have talked to, I had talked to the board about uh, uh, the possibility of us tearing down the four buildings that we have and putting up maybe 150 units because there's a lot of wasted space or not wasted as much as could be used in a different way. But what you got me thinking about is really going through and doing the research and seeing if we could take that and make it an eco village out of it using uh, panels, uh, solar panels, which I did bring to them some ideas of using solar panels with um, the laws in the district, uh, there's no money that has to be put in. And then I had not looked at using the earth core energies. But I'm looking, I'm going to study this some more. We'll be talking to you. you. If anybody would have any questions of Tom, you can call him at 314-479-6750. Or you can email him at Brayford T, as in Tom, Brayford, B-R-A-F-O-R-D-T, at gmail.com. And, Tom, I'm going to be emailing you and talking to you and maybe come out there and visit you in St. Louis uh, because I'd like to see if we could get something started here in D.C. and perhaps at the co-op that I live in right now. You got any other comments or thoughts that you want to tell us when we have another minute or so left? Yeah. Well, I I think you're on the right, right track there. A big part of our project is adaptive reuse. Part of getting a handle on our carbon footprint is to reuse what we have because uh, there's a lot of embedded energy in those buildings that you have. And if you tear that down, you know, that's that's going to take a lot of energy and a lot of energy for, for new. And so we always want to look at reutilizing what we already have uh, as, as the first step. Okay. And there's no reason that uh, we can't convert existing neighborhoods, a lot of existing buildings and structures, and Carol and I, we um, present at conferences all over the place. We're hap- happy to go do that. We're happy to be consultants to individual groups. The woman that called in and talked about her church group, you know, we're ha- happy to work with people okay. that, that want to create a integral eco-village uh, right where they live. Thank you, sir, and thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next Thursday. Tom. Thank you for the work that you're doing and for the knowledge you've given us today. We can take this knowledge and have power. Everybody have a great day. Right, right. 1450 WOL.